Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm at class with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and today's show, Ron, we are free riding. Ah, I can't wait, Ed. Let's jump in. Yeah, let's jump in a couple things. First, we're just for those of you who listen to the show on a regular basis and know that we have a the the, the great uh, Edgar Winter band song as our usual rejoiner. We're not going to be playing that today, so don't adjust your sets, um, <laughs> or play with your internet settings or whatever. That is not a mistake. We're we're challenged right now to to be working through some copyright work on that. So we we hope to get back to that uh, soon and we'll let you know how things are going on that. Um, I also want to give a quick wonk alert, Ron, especially to those of you who might listen to the show who do not reside within the United States of America. Um, I got a ton of stuff on U.S. politics. Can't help it. We're (laughs) a week, 10 days before the election. So to our friends in Australia and Canada and China, wherever you happen to be, unless you're interested, you probably only want to listen to Ron and, and, and not me talk today, unless you got stuff on that. Uh, uh, but film. you know, Ed, most of the people in those countries are probably more interested than a lot of Americans. Uh, are, yeah, so. I know. And and I will say this, that a lot of the things that I'm, I want to talk about with regard to this stuff, it's just because I've been mulling through this the last month or so, and it's more in alignment with our show in that it's about ideas than it is... Right. A, a particular political persuasion, right? I mean, it's sure. more about the ideas of things. Anyway, I did want to give just because I, I we we sometimes do not do this, and we really do want to welcome those of you who listen live to contribute to the show if you're listening live right now. And the number you can call in to do that is eight six six four seven two. 5790. We don't often get calls, but if you do call in live during the show, uh, I can pretty much bet you we will take that call because <laughs> we we want to we want to hear from you. So, Ron, the first thing I, I do want to throw out that's officially part of this whole free riding thing is a chart that I came across that was published by it was on a website called ourworldindata.org. Um, honestly, did not do any digging as to try to find out what the, the, the source of this or what our world in data is all about. I just, the chart. But it is one of the ma- most magnificent uh, charts to show the, the great enrichment 
that I think has ever been produced. Mm. It 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 actually shows, and this this is the thing that that really knocks my socks off when looking at this. That in terms of absolute poverty, and I think relative to, let me just quick double check that. Yeah. Uh, so the number of people in absolute poverty is now below in two in 2015 is now below where it was in 1820. Wow. Right. As in, ter- in, in terms of the total number of people. So there are less than a, a billion people right now in absolute poverty. This is, uh, by the way, it is based on a consumption level of $1.90 per day. And this is the what what is long since been um, known to be that that standard for absolute versus relative poverty. Okay. Right. Uh, right. By the way, I'm not saying that $2 a day is a joyride. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's just that $1.90 is, is, is the, the accepted absolute poverty rate. So there are fewer than 1 billion people in the world today that are in that absolute poverty. Um, and oh, by the way, we went from about a billion people in the world to over 7 billion in that time. So the the numbers are just astronomical. It's 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 just it continues to amaze me, and why this is not being shouted from rooftops, and why we're not celebrating this on a regular basis. I I can absolutely not figure this out at all. It 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 is it's just it's stunning, absolutely stunning. It is Ed. In fact, uh, you took one thing out of my stack. Uh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, this was a study by the World Bank, I think. Uh, they just came out with this on October 2nd. It reported that 766, 767 million people live in extreme poverty. It's buck ninety a day, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. And over the last 20 years, from 1993 to 2013, this number fell by over 1 billion from mm-hmm. roughly one in three to about one in ten, and of course the biggest declines took place in India and China, but even in other parts like uh, in Africa and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this I'm getting this out of the Economist, but uh, they they also pointed out that that counting this is kind of tricky, right? There's yeah. there's issues with counting the poor, so a lot of it is, is statistical extrapolation, not a lot of it, but some of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that, but it went on Ed, to say that you know how much would it cost to eliminate global poverty, and the answer was 159 billion. And I think this is this is where I kind of diverge with this. I mean, I, I I just don't think if we threw money at something, it would it would you know solve the problem of poverty. I think there's mm-hmm. cultural and spiritual issues there, but but it it like you said, I, I think this is the greatest story never told. Yeah, hardly or hardly ever told because we tell it pretty on, on pretty much regular basis. But as the, we should, yeah, no, as we should. And I, but I think just to 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 continue this thought, I watched I think in the last month the documentary called Poverty Inc. Have you seen mm-hmm. that yet, Ron? I have not from the Acton Institute. Yes, it's it's absolutely outstanding and really does a great job. It is really non political, but just takes a hard critical look. At the industry of poverty, and including I, charities, right? And I mean, that's correct. That's Father correct. Sirico said that he said sometimes we're part of the problem here. Mm-hmm. In fact, Sirico is the narrator 
uh, I believe uncredited, by the way, but he is the narrator of this uh, th- this documentary. And but I recognize his voice uh, immediately, yeah. and he had the Brooklyn accent, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, but but it, it's it it is really just it's terrific, and like I said, uh, a balanced look because they do talk about you know the good that's a that some some of the the organizations are doing, including you know Tom's the the shoe company, but the fact that that has a devastating impact on the entrepreneurs in those those countries as well. So there's there's this this incredible balance that that uh, that needs to take place. Um, and and I think I think we're wising up to it because there's there's no way that any of these governmental programs or charitable organizations can be responsible for this one billion person drop. It, it, because the the numbers just aren't there in terms of what they put in, right? It clearly has to be that people are are giving be, being given the freedom to succeed. Yep. Yep. You know, even uh, Barack Obama says it's important to remember that capitalism has been the greatest driver of prosperity and opportunity the world has ever known. Mm-hmm. It's a direct Is that quote. from his article? Is that from his yes. article that was published? In The okay. Economist. Yes, uh-huh. which I've got in my stack. You probably do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to. It, I, I saw it. You know, you, you and I read different things, Ron. So I was published. I, I saw it published in Wired magazine. But <laughs> fair enough. Yep. Well, the Economist asked for his asked for uh, an article saying, you know, what what uh, what does your successor have to do? Um, and and he wrote a three page article that they published. So. Hmm. Yep. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Okay, well, I'll let you, I'll let you take another one since I kind of took that out of your stack. So go for it. Okay, well, uh, this isn't uh, this doesn't really fit in with uh, what we were just talking about, but I'm going to put it out there just because you and I love to talk about innovating your business model, right? We did a mm-hmm. whole show mm-hmm. on it, and we always like to talk about business models. This is one I've never you know I've never really given much thought to this, but um, casinos have yeah. a very much aging demographic <laughs> uh, and you know for decades they've made lots and lots of money with very very little innovation you know just tinkering you know on the edges with like the slot machines and yeah you know they put out cute little different slot machines wheel of fortune you know movies or stars or whatever but they haven't really doing been doing much in that and the problem is that they're not attracting millennials mm-hmm Millennials would go to Vegas and completely bypass the casino to go to the shows or the bars or restaurants or whatever. Las Vegas revenue on the Strip peaked at $6.5 billion in 2007, but it's $5.2 billion in 2010, so it's gone down. And in fact, two-thirds of the revenue comes from non-gaming, and that's mostly hotel rooms. So, right. <clears throat> Harris and Caesars... Um, Harris, I think, bought Caesars out of bankruptcy. Um, one of the CEO of uh, Caesars wants to really try and bring in the millennials and things like gravity-free rooms, virtual reality—you know, where you can compete against others, kind of like video games. But mm. you can bet on it. You know, like how many people do you shoot up, or the accuracy. You know, all different ways to bet. But this is pretty risky, and the slot machine manufacturers are not really interested in this because. It's risky without a guaranteed payoff, of course, and so the the question is, you know, do do casinos and their and and the slot machines 
are, do they become Xerox machines? They, they never completely go away, but they're used a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of an interesting dilemma to just demographically, how do you bring young people in uh, to gaming? It's, I think it's a real interesting question. Yeah, no, it is. I well, and having just been in Las Vegas this week, actually at Professional Pricing Society event, which went uh, really well, by the way, um, you know, I, I I I'm noticing that demographic that the, it's really just the older people in the casinos at all. You know, it's it, yeah, there's some guys weekends that kind of thing going off of millennials, but definitely an older demographic. Well, at least in the the, the ones that I happen to walk through. So maybe you know, that's a not, not very large sample size. But I think you're right. I mean, I when I go to Vegas, I don't gamble. I mean, yeah. I, I I'd rather rather spend money on a show or or a nice dinner, and and you certainly can do that. There's plenty of money to be spent there. So, yeah, yeah every time we're there doing a show together, you and I end up walking through the casinos to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> on our way to Nobu or Rayos, <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> to drink some good wine. <laughs> but it's going to be really interesting. I'm going to be really curious to see. And, and by the way, at Atlantic City's way down. I mean, way down um, substantially. Uh, drops like a, a stone, actually, uh, from 2000 and, and their peak in about 2007. Um, it's just going to be really interesting to see what the casinos do to attract younger people. Well, yeah, I've heard something on that, and this is just a random thing that popped into my mind. But I, but I heard a, a that you know there are flights there, there are cheaper flights from New York City to Vegas than there are bus tickets to Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah, why so, doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> yeah, so pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I, I it, it will be intriguing, and I did not realize that uh, that that. Caesar's Palace was in bankruptcy. I mean, I don't understand how you own a casino and go into bankruptcy. <laughs> and it was kind of like owning an oil company and going in. You know, the Italians did that back during the uh, OPEC oil crisis in the 70s. They were the only oil companies in the world that were losing money. But <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how that happens. No, no. Well, but Ron, already we're up against our first break and, you know, only scratching the surface on our stack of stuff at this point. But we want to remind you that in order to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at asktsoe at verisage.com. And that email goes directly both to Ron and myself. Also want to let you know that you should continue your great reviews on iTunes as well as Amazon on our book. Uh, it is still available, so if you're interested in buying copies for the holidays for your friends and family, go on out there, and that's thesoulofenterprise.com slash book, and you can get to all the links you need for that. I uh, do want to remind you that you can call in to this free rider show at 866-472-5790, but right now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. 
Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here free riding, and I'd like to give a shout-out specifically to Deborah, who I uh, saw this uh, past week at a conference in San Jose I was at, and uh, she's one of our biggest fans. Uh, she, she calls herself a stalker of me, uh, but <laughs> she, she gave us a terrific review, and she listens to every show, and she's just great. So, Deborah, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Uh, and so, Ed, what do you got? Well, first, I want to thank you for not mentioning the name of the conference, so we'll just, just leave it at that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I, here, here's, the, here's the one I want to just, just quick throw at you, Ron. I, I don't know if you saw this, but it's very possible we, we now know we are not alone in the universe. Did you see this? Did see this, yes. There are scientists have heard some hugely unusual messages from deep space and think it's possible it's coming from intelligent life out there. And it could be from extraterrestrial intelligence, and and they could be even trying to alert us as to their existence, which is which is pretty crazy. They this is the quote here. We we find that the detective signals have exactly the shape of an an extraterrestrial intelligence signal predicted in previous publication, and therefore in agreement with the hypothesis that that these facts are in alignment with the facts that is with with. Uh, the the uh, an, an ETI and so extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So now, word of caution: there's you know a lot of speculation. This has not been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. But what do you think, Ron? Do you think we're alone? I do. Really? Yep. Okay. Math is against you, you know. I know. Math is against you. The math is against a lot of things. It's a that have happened or not. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? The bumblebee can't fly according to the but, laws. But look, the, I can't say the, but yeah. I can't say I'm an expert in this, but, but but I doubt the experts too, so I'm not sure that would even help. But it's not something I stay up on and, you know, read right, on. Right. But, uh, no, I think there's other agendas going on for for that. This is something that Rabbi Lappin taught me that I don't know what you want to get into. <laughs> 
No, that's fine. Whatever you want. We can do, you, you, no, can no, you no, take no, it or I, no? I did see that. I, I, I do think it's interesting. It wasn't it said that the first thing that uh, Bill Clinton did when he took over as president was he, he I forget one thing. He did one thing, but then the other one. I want to find out if UFOs, if there's anything to this, you know, uh-huh. Area 51. And <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Not a somebody, bad idea. One of his aides wrote about it and said, yeah, no, there's nothing to it. But, but you know, who knows, right? Right, right. <clears throat> anyway, I thought it was interesting. I think that we have to take it with a grain of salt and obviously continue to monitor the situation. But I, I you know, look, I would f- actually find it comforting that we weren't would alone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't bother me, but I, I'm just, I, you could put me in the doubting Thomas category on that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Good. All right. What do you got now? But, well, just because we're on the business model, don't count this against me. I just have to say this. Just shout out to Greg Kite. Ed, they're doing away with the Blackberry. <laughs> Blackberry's thrown in the towel. That's it. It's over. Uh, I, I feel so bad for Greg and his iPad, Barry. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a problem. Well, I, I would not suggest a Galaxy 7. Let's just, <laughs> let's just, Mr. Kite, let's not go with the Galaxy 7. Have you been, you've been following this, right, Ron, the oh, Galaxy 7? Ed, when, you know. I was, when I was in Australia, they would come <laughs> on the airplane and make an announcement. If you have one of these, you've got to turn it off now in the states they have a they have a screenshot on every flight yes. that says if you yes. have one of these you must surrender it and then i guess have plans to you know, have it shipped to you or something and i'm thinking how bad of a marketing thing is this for- oh it's killer <laughs> it's killer like every flight your product is announced specifically by name that it it needs to be taken off I'm taken off the flight right now. By, by order I, of the Department of Transportation. So. <laughs> I just saw a political Cute cartoon. Uh, it was Cute. a scout master with two little boy scouts. He says, now, how do we start a fire when we don't have matches? <laughs> One kid says, I know, we use a Galaxy 7. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, no, really crazy. But uh, 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 did you see that there was a, a, a video game somebody developed I don't know if you saw this. It's like one of these shoot 'em up games, right? Right. And, but but it's just like this hand in front of you, and you you throw Galaxy Sevens at, at like tanks and stuff, and it, <laughs> as soon as it hits the tanks, it blows them up. Hey, this cannot be good for their for their PR. No. Oh, <clears throat> no. oh I, feel, I do feel bad. All right. Yeah. All right, Ed. I, I got one for you, and this comes from our. Uh, one of my mentors, Rabbi Lappin, you know, he does this weekly thing called Thought Tools, and his recent one is called Strike Them Down. And guess what? He must have read Do You Kill the Fat Man? Or he listened to our show because he, yeah. he gets the trolley <laughs> example, you know, the thought uh-huh. experiment about pulling the lever and, you know, saving yep. five people on the track and, and killing one. He also talks about the alternative to that, about pushing the fat man off the bridge. And, okay. And, and that, and then he also even talks about the surgeon taking the organs from the healthy people or or a hobo to to save five people, mm-hmm. and he does this to set up the self driving car, mm. right? And his thought experiment is your car, your your autonomous car is driving down the street when with no warning the you know the eighteen wheel truck comes to a sudden stop, and if your car rams it, you'll be killed. 
your car swerves into the left lane, uh, you'll kill a mother and two young children. And if your car swerves into the right lane, you hit a motorcyclist. Right. And, And so he's saying, okay, you know, what about this? Because he was talking, he was in Israel recently and he was talking to somebody about, you know, there's just all the high tech companies and startups over there. And right. this is what the Google engineers are, are grappling with as, as we've talked about before, right? I think you brought this up on a free writer Friday. Yes, uh, I did. Yep. Now th- this is only a couple page article, but what I found really interesting about it were all the comments Ed, because this, this branched off into a, a big discussion Lappin calls the field of ethics bogus because it's attempting to seize the definition of moral and ethical from God and the Bible where it has resided for millennia, right? He says ethics. I would expect him to say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you would expect an Orthodox rabbi to say say that. Ethics and morality are obtained not from scientific derivation but from divine revelation. Um, and, and, And that's not my point with bringing up this article. Um, mm-hmm. But but it, it did bring up some other issues. He he, and I just wanted to get your reaction to this. He said, "You are starving. Do you have any moral right to steal a loaf of bread?" And of course, mm-hmm. no. Right. However, now now Ed, this is uh, this is why I want to run by, this by you as a libertarian. However, mm-hmm. he says this is lapping in a comment to this Thought Tools article. However, if an entire country is starving, may its government invade a neighboring country in order to seize food to feed its own people. Mm, interesting. Now, I'm, 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 I, I think I know how you'd answer that, but if you want to answer, well, go ahead, take a crack. Yeah, sure. I mean, just based on fact presented, I would say that the answer is no, because the initiation of force can only be used where force is used against you. Now, if you tell me that the other nation has blockaded the water from flowing down river into my uh, into into my country, so that we can't water our crops. Different situation. Gotcha. Here's what Lappin says. I'm afraid the answer is yes. As hard as it is to wrap myself around it emotionally, it not only may invade; it is morally obligated to do so. If bombing Dresden in February of 45 saved only one British or American soldier, though it cost the lives of over 20,000 Germans, it was the moral thing to do. And he's talked about this on one of his podcasts on The Blaze. Um, and, and, and I suggest folks to listen to it. I'm not bringing this up because I'm pushing Judaism or, or anything like that. I'm pushing this up because this is a, you know, ethical issue, moral issue that you really kind of got to grapple with. And it is very interesting to, to hear his side. So, but somebody wrote Ed in the article or the comments said, well, wait a minute, you never asked, answered the question about the car. <laughs> you know, what is the car supposed to do? <laughs> right. Kill the driver or kill the owner right, right, right. or, or uh, swerve and kill one of the others. And here's how Rabbi Lappin answered her question. He said, we would not be permitted to purchase and operate a car that had been programmed to choose a victim. Okay, any so more, can you per- any yeah. more than he pull the lever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, on the on the trolley, uh, you he couldn't he would not be allowed because of his devotion to scripture to to buy a car that had been pre pre programmed. 
Because again, his answer to the trolley is you can't play God, right? You just got to sit there. Well, but you know, how far do you draw that line? Are anti-lock brakes an example of the same thing? Right. And is, is that an aid in some way? By the way, I would answer the question this way. What about if they, if they decided instead to do a random number generator that decided what to do? Since, since honestly, no, no human being in that instant is going to be able to process all of that anyway. Like, and and that, that's one of my arguments on it is that you're in that moment as you're driving that car, you're probably thinking self-preservation more than anything else. And yep. you're going to do whatever you think has the best chance of making you survive. Yeah. Right. You're not going to go, oh, motorcycle guy that way, family of four that way. Mm-mm. He he <laughs> even points he, <laughs> he 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 even points that out. He says, if you were driving and you saved your life by a split second decision, uh, swerved left or right, nobody except maybe you would condemn you for the tragic deaths of the young family or of the motorcyclist. But now it's all going to be coded into your vehicle software. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, you know, he, he he's also saying in, in, in this article that you can't trade off one life or the other. That's why he doesn't like the field of ethics, calls it bogus, because there there is no, you know, hey, we saved 100 to say, you know, we killed, or we saved, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, we killed one to save 100. He says you can't make that calculation. Morally, a life is of infinite value, and two times infinite is, you know, it's still infinite. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, um, I see that point. <clears throat> and so it, it was just, it was really interesting. Then, of course, it got this. You can imagine at where this comment threads goes. It, it gets into just war doctrine, and he, so he starts talking about Saint Augustine, uh, just war doctrine, and he says it's not a valid concept. He says the only thing to do with war is to win it as quickly as possible. Uh, with as little cost as possible, and that means disproportionate force. So there's no such thing as force and or proportional force or any of that. And that's why, of course, you know, bombing Dresden or or the the, the nuclear bombs we dropped on Japan, you know, he said were were more relaxed. A- anyway, I just it's it was fascinating. It was just a really uh, really interesting discussion thread. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to be selling autonomous cars to to Orthodox rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably let's take that out of the market mix. <laughs> All right, Ed. Well, we're up against it again, as always. And folks, we'd like to remind you to check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. And if you have a question or idea for me or Ed for a future show, please email us at asktsoe at verisage.com. And now we'll uh, take a break. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and just a reminder if you do want to call in and talk to us on free rider friday the number is 866-472-5790 so ron i got a joke for you and right. this is su- submitted from our friend and listener, Greg LaFollette. Uh, he, he, he talked about in South Dakota, they tell uh, Norwegian jokes. And he's got an example that is in alignment with our show. So I just want to share it with you. You ready? Yep. All right. So Ole and Sven go to an expensive guiding fishing trip in northern Canada. It costs each of them $5,000. Unfortunately, the fishing wasn't good and they caught very few fish. In fact, they each caught ca- caught only five fish only. On the way home, Sven says to Oli, You know, Oli, I spent $5,000 and caught only five fish. That's $1,000 per fish. Oli's response, Oofta, lucky we didn't catch more. <laughs> <laughs> Little cost accounting humor, folks. Yeah, well, you know, it's like Dr. <laughs> Lee, right? Costs have nothing to do with cash. Little <laughs> uh, cost accounting humor for you. So thanks to uh, Greg LaFollette for that. So That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's not going to count. That doesn't count as one of my things. I want to talk about uh, some some election in the United States. Do you know, Ron, there's a, a thing that was posted by Apple News. And in 18 states, it is illegal to take a selfie with you and your ballot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we, we're there. This is actually being fought in a couple of different uh, states right now, including Colorado, where the Libertarian Party is is part of part of the lawsuit. And it just These are recent like, laws. These are recent yes. laws, right? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Fascinating yep. that we have state legislatures spending their time on this. Well, and that's and that's where I wanted to to go with this, and 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 that is, I, ju- I just did a post earlier today on, on on this whole election. My my basic premise is, and you're probably not going to like the opening line, which is, look, um, <clears throat> well, Gary Johnson is not going to be the next president of the United States, and I've come to grips with that. I'm hoping he gets five percent, but he's not going to be the next. But neither is Donald Trump, and we need to get used to the fact that Hillary Clinton is going to be the next president. Also. The fact that she is not going to get any honeymoon, absolutely zero. 
Um, there's, you know, more stuff comes out and stuff more came up today about the, the FBI is reopening the investigation into the, the email situation. Um, we, we are just in for an absolute mess. There's going to be calls for her impeachment possibly before she even gets sworn in. (laughs) Well, then let me ask you this, Ed, do you think, um, if, if that scenario plays out, Hillary wins, do you, do you think we'll still have divided government, or do you think there's an opportunity that the Republicans are going to lose either the Senate or the House or both? Well, they might lose the Senate, House, or both, but I don't think that they're going to lose 60 seats for sure. So okay. they'll at least have the filibuster filibuster in the Senate, which I do think it's very possible that they, that as a result of that, they don't approve any Supreme Court justices. And we're, the, but my, my whole point in the post is that we are we are coming now to what I believe is 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 a potential turning point. Uh, the, this is I believe the result of voting the lesser of two evils for the last couple of decades, and that that fault here the center the center problem is the two party system the duopoly that has become an oligopoly. And I I also make my point that will any of us be surprised when Jeb Bush runs in 2020 on a see, I told you so platform, right? Will, will any of us be surprised when Chelsea Clinton runs for U S house or Senate, right? This is it. it, The, the, the duopoly has become oligopoly in my, in, in my opinion. And, it, it, it just gets entrenched by some of these state laws like selfie ballots. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up, which it, this is a real wonky. That's why I gave the warning earlier today. This whole notion of, you know, faithless electors and how certain states bind, even though it's not in the Constitution, the electors to whoever gets the majority of votes in a particular state. Mm-hmm. And that was never the intent of the founders. It, it, it's clear that that's not the intent. Right, um, no, but yet, it, yet, it, yet it's entrenched in in the election laws and election codes of what's of what's going on, and it's a, it's just it's just a fascinating thing that I I think we're starting to see that that the breakup of of that, and I told someone earlier today that I'm paraphrasing Milton Friedman here, but you know I, I feel I personally feel that my role is to keep the the ideas of liberty and freedom alive so what, when the politically impossible becomes the politically inevitable they're still around yeah yeah no i agree agree with that i mean our, our system is kind of it, it devolves into two parties because of the math no matter what you do and no matter who the two parties are right you can talk about replacing republicans or democrats with a new party but you'd still end up with two eventually if if you if you keep first past the post as the election system, yes, yeah, yes, right. So but, you know, and 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 that's one of the things that I would really like to see changed is some kind of a system where you have either either approval voting or a rank order type system. Right. Do Do you think in this election you'll see deliberate split voting? I just read an article by Michael Barone, and he's a you know phenomenal uh poll person right he's the guy that analyzes the elections county by county and tell you and he can tell you how they voted you know and elections going all the way back and he says it's pretty common for the electorate to 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 deliberately split up its vote give one party the president and give congress uh you know just to the other party do you do you, do you think that's uh, likely here Th- that there's going to be split party votes 
deliberately, I, I do. deliberately, deliberately. I, mean I, I do, I do. I think that I think there will be. I think that it's 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 probably happening more frequently than it has in the past. Of course, again, there are state laws, including in Texas, which really do which which try try to stop that. Right? We had. I don't know if you have in California. On I'm only up on Texas, but we have straight ticket voting where you walk in, hit Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, and walk out. Right. Right. And and I I think that's a huge problem. I really do. I would like to see first of all get rid of straight state straight ticket voting as a first step. But then I I even think we should eliminate the the uh, the the party names. And you, I don't think it's too much to ask someone to educate themselves as to who they actually want to vote for and learn the person's name, rather than just looking at their party affiliation. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, on some local races like school boards, you do kind of have to do your own research right, to find they're out. They're nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we do not have straight ticket voting ed in California. I don't well, and that, so. that which which does bring up another point. Just be, and what happens? I don't know if this happens in 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 uh, California with the, with with these nonpartisan races. But guess guess who wins the majority of them? Aaron Abel. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, seriously, that's that, the, the people who's it. They, they vote at the top and that's it. They hit, you know, vote for three. OK, one, two, three. Boom. <laughs> the and, triple and, and A that, painting company. Right. That's so right. Your, so, your yeah. first. <laughs> so which which leads to, you know, there's that why we have to have some kind of electronic system that randomizes it. Right. And presents them in different orders to different voters, so that you're not just just doing that. I, I think that that would be a, a good thing. Um, and then somebody asked me about, you know, or someone was calling for going going back to paper ballots, you know, with all of the the problems that are associated with these electronic ballots. And I'm like, no, no, no. The answer is biotech with the blockchain. That's the yeah. answer. Yeah, for sure. But the blockchain at least would uh, lessen any potential fraud or, you know, dead people voting or whatever. I mean, uh, I, I see that as being one of its greatest purposes. Mm-hmm. But. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. So anyway, just while, while we're, and I, I promise that we will not, you know, unless you bring it up in the next segment, we don't have to talk any further about this, but uh, I, early voting is up in Texas, like yep. considerably up, like 40% up. And I have a theory as to why, and and I had this theory early, earlier than today. I my my belief is, is that people are going early because they want to just vote. So if their candidate says something stupid or gets indicted, they can say, "Oh, geez, you know, it's too late. I already voted." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I could change my vote now since so and so said this, or was no, or, or it was now indicted. But it's too late. I've already I've already cast my vote. And I just do come back to the idea that we are presented with a choice of the evil between two lessers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Exactly right. But hey, we'll have to see. It's 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 going to be an interesting outcome. And you know, last day, like we we keep checking our our favorite site, the the site put out by Maxim Lot and John Stossel. Uh, the, 
Trump's up a little bit. He was down oh, as low as ten percent. He moved five points or something, or six yeah, points. he was he was down down as low as seventeen or something like that. Now he's back up to uh, twenty one and a half, and she's at seventy six. But the the electoral map is not looking good. I mean, even even Texas is is not showing. It's not showing in play, but it's not showing solid red, which is crazy. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, that might be enough wonkishness for now. We could get yeah. real. <laughs> we could really dive into this if we wanted to, but uh, well, folks, we need to take a break, and uh, we'd like to remind you we will have full show notes up on the Soul of You can also check out our live events page, uh, where you can see where Ed and I will be uh, in the future at upcoming events. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're here free riding free rider friday and uh, this is just flying by ed but uh, I've got the Talib tirade for us. <laughs> no. So our <laughs> our buddy Nassim uh, Nicholas Talib, the the author of the Black Swan and Anti Fragile, right? Uh, uh-huh. Among other among others, uh, he wrote a, a tirade on September sixteenth, and it's called the Intellectual Yet Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the intellectual Yet Idiot. He said these are the people that have no skin in the game. Uh, they're policy-making clerks and journalists, insiders, and and Seoul has been making this claim for a long time about how intellectuals don't have skin in the game because they're not they they don't have to pay for their mistakes. Right? Thomas Seoul. Thomas, Thomas Sowell, Sowell. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. And um, and this is a rant, and I have to say, it's beautiful, and I love it. And <laughs> and Talib, he says, uh, you know, these intellectual yet idiots are telling the rest of us. 
what to do, what to eat, how to speak, how to think, and who to vote for. Um, and he said their main capacity, their main skill is the capacity to pass exams written by people like them. Um, you know, huh. he said uh, with psychology papers replicating less than forty percent, meaning yep. you know, duplicating the ex- uh, the experiment, dietary advice reverting after thirty years of fat phobia, microeconomic analysis working worse than astrology, the appointment of Bernanke, who was less and clueless of the risks and pharmaceutical trials replicating at best one third of the time, he said, you know, these people can't tell science from scientism. In -hmm. fact, in their eyes, scientism looks more scientific than real scientists. He says people like Cass Sustine, Richard Thaler types, those who want to nudge us into some behavior um, and classify our behavior as rational or irrational come from the misunder- their misunderstanding of probability theory and cosmetic use of first-order models. And, I mean, this is just so well-written. He, he talks about the Brexit vote, you know, the, the, the plebes voted wrong on that, and it upset the, uh, the intellectual yet idiots. Uh, he said <laughs> they constantly mistake the absence of evidence for evidence of absence. Yep, yep. And uh, he says the intellectual yet idiot has been wrong historically, on Stalinism, Maoism, Iraq, Libya, Syria, lobotomies, urban planning, low carbohydrates, diets, gyms, machines, behaviorism, transfers, Freudianism, portfolio theory, linear regression, and p-values. But he is convinced that his current position is right. Wow, <laughs> it is. It's a tirade, and I I love it. Um, I. I really have a lot of problems with intellectuals and, you know, Thomas Sowell's, one of his latest books, the last four or five years, uh, was called Intellectuals, and boy, does he take them to task. I mean, historically, it's just a catalog of their just ridiculous ideas that have just failed miserably and caused untold misery. And you could mm. put at the top of that list communism, um, but but it's even, it, it can be even, you know, worse than that if even if not on that scale, you know? So yeah. I really appreciated wow. this rant from, from Talib. Anything <laughs> the guy writes is usually very thought-provoking. <laughs> right, right. No, good good stuff. Good stuff. Well, on, on the subject of intellectuals and idiots, <laughs> you, you don't, probably don't even pay attention to this. And, and, and you know, I gave a shout-out to Greg LaFollette earlier, so I'm not going to worry about talking about baseball now. But... The guy who announces this World Series, a guy by the name of Joe Buck, he also does a lot of the Super Bowl games, is that he's the main play by play guy for Fox. Mm-hmm. And he is he is such he is clueless. He <laughs> it's really and just a just a couple of buckisms, right? One there was a pop out the other night to to first base foul ball was was a guy caught it. And he, he goes and, you know, first baseman's name, which I'll leave out because it's not flattering, goes, squeezes out number two. And I'm just like, what, what is wrong with you? Right? <laughs> and, and then the, the, then, then the other one, he, he says, uh, so-and-so, again, leaving the player out of it because it doesn't matter, you know, uh, good, good swing by so-and-so. He'd sure like to have that one back. What? Did, was it a good swing, or did he did he want it back? back. <laughs> so, so the history of this guy is basically this, Ron, is that this guy 
it was the son of Jack Buck, who mm. is an absolutely incredible was a, an incredible announcer. And it, it, if you may remember, like his, his one of his most famous calls is uh, Kirk Gibson's pinch hit home run when the guy could barely stand. And, and the radio call was, I don't believe what I just saw, right? A really famous, absolutely fantastic uh, uh, call. Well, right. Joe, Buck, Joe Buck was the, was the announcer when, when David Tyree caught the, the ball on top of his head in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. right? If you listen to that call, like, it, it, it's as if... Matt Peyton Manning escapes trouble, throws down the line. Oh, first down! <laughs> just like, 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 are you watching the game, Joe? Are you watching the game? All right, so there you go. There's my rant on. And, and the only reason why I, this guy Joe Buck is involved in this is because his his dad was good, and he does have a deep, resonant voice. But he is way too in love with the sound of his own voice, and it drives me crazy. Anyway. Right. Wow. Okay. Thank you, for, thank you, Ron, for giving me the opportunity to get that out. I feel much better now. <laughs> well, Ed, we've only got a few minutes, so I'm going to give you a quick one. Just This is kind of more of a brief update. Uh, you probably know Google, Google Autonomous Car had been involved in another accident. It was hit by a van that passed a red light. Google Cars have been involved in a number of collisions, but most, including the latest, have been the result of the other car, as we've talked mm-hmm. about before. It has 58, this is the interesting part, it has 58 vehicles on the road which have gone a distance of 126,000 miles. And, but, Ed, they've lost their, um, their, their uh, main engineer on the autonomous car, Chris Ermson. Um, he was the company's figurehead. Uh, and Apple has slimmed down its, its team that's building the, uh, you know, their project. But the possible team up with McLaren, a British maker of sports cars and Formula One racing uh, team. So that's interesting that Apple's might team up with McLaren. Um, The other thing that I found very interesting is 2017 Volvo, which is working with Uber to get cars to drive themselves, will be, um, they say they'll be able to give uh, to a select group of motorists an autonomous car and Ford said it would launch a fully autonomous car without steering wheel or pedals by 2021. To 2021. Yeah, I'm seeing that 2020-2021 number around a lot. And so I got to think that that we're getting really close on this. And and the cutover is going to happen um, within the, you know, starting in the next five years or so as as we, you know, more and more of these, these cars get on the road. Um, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's great. I disagree with Rabbi Lapin. I'm all about it. You know, bring bring it on. It, 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 you know, I wonder how he would react to the. Okay, yes, Rabbi. In that particular case, you would have a moral problem with it. But what about the moral problem of of the fact that it will that the driverless cars will reduce the number of fatalities by potentially a factor of ninety percent or or more. I, I know. I, I, I want to get him on the show just to almost ask him about that. <laughs> and we we will get him back on the show. The other thing, Ed, that uh, I'm pulling this out of The Economist as well, but, you know, the insurance companies are looking at the autonomous cars as an enormous threat, too, right, to their business model. It could shrink, it's estimated, the insurance industry by 60%, the auto insurance. 
industry. Yeah. Uh, and because some of the manufacturers would actually probably self-insure and mm-hmm. legislatures would probably pass strict liability uh, laws, which automatically places responsibility on the owner, not the manufacturer. So there would be a role for insurance because Correct. as an owner of an autonomous car, you would buy insurance. But since the risk would be a lot less, you know, actuarially, the premiums mm-hmm. would be a lot less, and therefore that market shrinks. And that's a real, uh, that's a real interesting disruption as well from these things. No, I totally agree. I mean, uh, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm uh, if anything, I'm, you know, there, there's p- people who are worried about the future. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, it can't get here fast enough as far as I'm concerned. I'm, right. I'm, I am gleeful about the future. I have, I, have fu- I don't have future shock. I have future glee. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, and anything, <laughs> have you seen anything recently? And this was in the news a few weeks ago, but about, about Twitter's being sold to Salesforce or possibly Google or possibly weird Disney. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was big. I think that's off the table. Uh, very interesting. Every very interesting that that Twitter released an app for the Apple TV yesterday or two days ago uh-huh. at the at the Apple event, and uh, w- well received. And, and check that out. It's pretty pretty interesting. If if I can find the the uh, just a clip of that, I'll be sure to put it up in the show notes. Uh, but it was it was pretty fascinating. Watch it watching TV via Twitter. Right. right. Oh, I just can't see Disney buying Twitter. It's such a sewer. But okay. <laughs> yep. So so Ed, next week we have Tim Smith, faculty member of Professional Pricing Society, author of Pricing Strategy, and his latest book, Pricing Done Right. I'm really looking forward to having this guy on the show. He's one of my mentors. Yep, it's gonna be great. See you in 167 hours, Ron. All right. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit our website at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. <laughs>